Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Marriott's on the move. What? Marriott's on the move. Again? Marriott's on the, Marriott's on the, Marriott's on the move. If you're dreaming about moving to a new city to pursue the life of your dreams, this podcast is for you. Moving 18 times in 23 years to five of America's top cities, I know it's not easy to make those decisions alone. I help you develop the dream, the plan, and the move, even if we need to get scrappy to get you there. I'll be doing interviews, career and city spotlights, and sharing my crazy moving stories, tips, tricks, and scams to avoid. Traveling to explore your dreams has never been easier. Now let's get moving. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. I'm very, very excited to introduce my next guest, Jesse Carroll. Jesse is a voiceover artist that lives in New York City, he lives on the Upper East Side where I lived when I was in New York about 10 years ago. He has been a voiceover artist for seven years and has, what, over a thousand credits to your name? I mean, you're yeah. you're pretty badass. <laughs> Um, I probably am not going to do your intro justice. So Jesse, welcome to the show. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your career and kind of what you're up to. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So I am a voiceover artist. I started doing voiceover about seven years ago. Um, and it kind of came out of necessity at the time because I was working as an actor, not a lot. I wasn't making a good enough living at it. And I was also working in nightclubs. And I'd lost my nightclub job and I had to find something quick that could help me sustain my acting habit that wasn't really a job yet. So I got into voiceover and uh, I really, really hustled at it. And it started paying more than my nightclub job ever did within three months. And wow. I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. And just been kind of escalating it more and more and more every year. And now it's my full on career. I still do acting, but voiceover is the main way that I make money. And you've done some pretty cool voiceovers, like Ice Road Truckers. You're the narrator. You're you're still doing well, that. Not, not Ice Road Truckers. Back Road, Road Truckers. Back Road Truckers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Ice well, Road and... Truckers is huge. Back Road Truckers is good. It's on History and Hulu. Okay. But it's not. It's is it's not Ice Road Truckers. Well, but you've got a ton of credits. I mean, like if you go to your website, it's jessiecarolvo.com, right? Is yeah, it? that's right. jessiecarolvo.com. That's where I have all my stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You've got just like the coolest credits and in full transparency, you're my voiceover coach. So I am. Um, I have definitely gotten a chance to talk to you about a lot of different things. Um, funny story. Like I was falling asleep one day, one night and, um, and I, I always fall asleep to the TV and I heard a pizza commercial and I like sat up in bed. I'm like, is that Jesse's voice? <laughs> I think I told you about that. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. But I like, now I feel like I hear your voice everywhere. So it's such a cool, um, such a cool like career that you have. And the fact that you can do that full time. I mean, a lot of people ask me, 
you know, like what are good side hustles to do? Like if I'm moving to a new city and I don't have a job, what do I do? So like walk us through a little bit about how you kind of like what brought you to, I mean, obviously acting and voiceover, it's a natural transition, but like, there's a whole thing you got to learn. That's like, it's like a different art than acting. Yeah. I think, well, for me, I think the way it initially the the bug got put in my brain was probably the same as a lot of people where people would tell me all the time, oh, you got a great voice. So I was a stand up comedian for 10 years and I was talking on a microphone all the time. And, you know, uh, I, I was okay. I, I was good enough to get into festivals, but I never really hit. But the one thing people said to me all the time, more than the fact that I was funny or anything was like, wow, you got a really great voice. So it was always kind of in the back of my mind because with voiceover, when you do it from home, you can do it while you travel too, as long as you've got a space to record. And there's ways to do that. So, I mean, you can make a makeshift studio out of anything. So the flexibility, doing it on your own schedule and being able to do it from pretty much anywhere, those were the things that attracted me to it. Um, And what really got me going in it was, well, like I said, necessity. But the fact that when I found out you didn't need an agent to do it, that you can find all the jobs on the internet on your own. And I knew that I was like a natural hustler. I was like, this is the job for me. Yeah, and that's exactly what I did, especially at the time when I had zero job and I had to like make it or break it. <laughs> you had it, to do right? it. Yeah, you had, I had to, to do it. I, I, I searched the darkest corners of the internet <laughs> for voiceover jobs. I started well, now they make doing... it easy. Yeah, now they make yeah. it easy because they've got like voices.com and a couple other like, you know, Fiverr and backstage.com. Like they have a couple yeah. different ways to do it now. But seven years ago, I imagine it wasn't as robust as a as an offering as it is now. It's not as much as it was as it is now. Um, the, those sites all did exist. They were different than they are now. Um, but uh, I couldn't afford to, like, here's the thing. When you get into voiceover and you get on the casting sites like voices.com and voice123, and I always recommend to do that right away, they have a, a membership price that you have to pay. It's not huge, especially when you compare to the fact that, like, let's say, for instance, voices.com, their membership is $500 for the year. But then you get, like, between 10 and 20 auditions a day right? You book one or two of those jobs, you paid for your membership for the year. Year. So yeah. when you, when you, when you do it, where you decide that, you know, you're going to do it and you're going to, no matter how hard it gets or whatever it takes, you're going to book a job. Then the membership fee is like, it's a non-fee, but I didn't have the money to right. do it. Right. So I had to start on Fiverr where a lot of people do get their start. Um, I don't recommend it because uh, you don't get auditions on there. So it's not a really good way to practice as well. But I started because that's the only place I could afford to get a membership. And I made my prices so low that I would get a lot of work. And I knew that I would get better if I got a lot of work. So that's where I got my start was on Fiverr. And after a couple of months, I was making not a huge amount on Fiverr, um, but enough to get a membership on voices.com. And that's where everything changed. That's awesome. I love it. And what's nice about it is that like, I have a full-time job. I even travel for work and I can still do this like on the side. I could, I could wake up. I mean, naturally I get up very early. We were talking earlier um, before we started recording about how like my body just, yeah, 4am my body's like, all right, it's time to get up. And I'm like, no, 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 it's still dark out. And I just, I like laid there for an hour and I was like, all right, fine. I'll just get up. That's the worst, but you can, I mean, I could get up and do 20 auditions before I even shower in the morning, you know, like it's, it's that you can do it that easy. You can do it as a side hustle or you can make it your full-time job if you wanted to. So, um, I just, I love the flexibility of it. I love the fact that, I mean, you have a digital course that kind of walks you through because I did take a couple classes and I, and I loved them. I went to the studios and like, I did all that stuff, but what they don't teach you is like how you do it at home, right? Like 
there's not that many studios out there, especially if you don't live in a big city. Right. So it's like, if you don't know how to set up um, even what mics to write, I mean, like I'm, we're using my road NT one, not a, the fifth generation. Cause I know the a was, yeah, it's a brand new one. Like you it's super fancy cool. NT. <laughs> I feel very fancy right now. I even have an interface. I didn't know what that was until right. I joined your digital course, but, um, but I mean, I think even just like having that set up and having someone say like, this is what you need in order to book national commercials. This is what you need to like, just, you can rent it. You don't even have to buy it. Like having somebody say like, this is how you set up a home studio. Like yeah. that was so imperative because I'm not going to like what you learned in the class. I would say more than 50% went back. And like, I still talk to some of them, like no one's doing them, you know, like, so if you don't have that set up and you don't know how to do it, like you're just going to, it's, it's useless information that you're paying for is basically what's happening. Yeah. That's exactly why I created the course because I would say 90% of the classes you're going to take in voiceover, they're just going to read you, uh, teach you how to read scripts. Yeah. That is it. That's all they're going to do. Um, and then they send you packing, you go home and they're, and what have you learned? Yeah. Well, nothing because you couldn't apply it. So you're going to forget everything. And it doesn't even matter if let's say you rock that class. What are you going to do an audition on? You don't have an equipment, any equipment at home. Right. Most of these classes exist from the old school way of doing voiceovers where you learn how to read scripts and then you go into a studio to audition. You go into a studio to record it and none of that happens anymore. It was already on its way out before the pandemic. And when the pandemic hit, boom, just eliminate it. I still go into a studio when I'm doing something like dubbing or a really big commercial job, but it's pretty rare. Like yeah. I would say like I it's less than a month. Like once every other month, I need to go into a studio unless I'm doing a TV show. Wow. Um, most, like I would say 98% of the jobs that I record, I do at home. That's awesome. Well, and you live in New York city. I mean, I lived in New York city. I was on the 10th floor on 95th and third, and it was still so loud. And it is like, mm -hmm. I can't hear anything in your studio right now. And you're like in a walk-in <laughs> closet, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is actually my control room. So this oh, is, like, yeah, this is open. Awesome. Like really, I'm not even that far from the street. But um, I mean, I, I knew that about New York. I've only been here for a couple of years, but I'm in the same place that I live in when I'm the, I, I live, that I moved into when I moved here. Yeah. And I looked for a quiet neighborhood. That was the goal because I knew how loud New York City could be. So I live in the Upper East Side, actually uh, half a block away from the mayor's place. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, and I knew that area would be quiet because they always, yeah. you know, by mayor's places, I always close the street off and everything like that. So, oh, yeah. That's very smart. You see, that's one thing to look for when you're looking for an apartment in New York City. So, I, I do want to like segue into that because you have moved all over. You got some great stories about moving. You were originally from Canada, right? Yeah. Yeah. Should I say right. Canada, eh? Oh, yeah, Wrong part of Canada. They do, say all stereotypical. Canada. <laughs> they do say A They do. They People say, a, here's the thing about A, the Canada A. There's yeah. two ways. So like people on the West coast, they'll say it like as a question, they'll, um, whereas like, how would I put this? Like, uh, like for instance, they would say like, if you went to a concert, they'd be like, Oh, that was a great concert. eh? like, as mm -hmm. if it's like trying to get your opinion on it. Right. If yeah. the, East, the East coast, like by like Toronto and the rest of Canada and all that, they'll say it as like a statement, like, yeah. uh, going to go head out to the, to the nightclub. eh? like, <laughs> You just like, you got to know the local lingo and how to use it. It's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Have you heard of Monate or Modern Nature? 
I hadn't either before my friend Monica was raving about their skincare products that she's obsessed with. I took their hair quiz to find out which product line would be best for me since I just happened to be looking for new shampoo and conditioner, and I signed up for their VIP package that got me a little bit of everything to try out. Turns out they are the first anti-aging hair care line in the world, which I didn't even know was a thing, and their products are gluten-free, vegan, and Leaping Bunny certified, which means they're never tested on animals. Now I'm obsessed with their rich formulations that feature botanical extracts, essential oils, and other naturally based ingredients, and I want to share those products with you. I'll put the link in the show notes, or you can hit the faves page on my website. It's safe, EU approved, and clinically tested by third parties. So essentially, robustness approved. Now back to the show. So yeah, I moved here. And do you want to talk about moving now? Yeah, let's, let's, let's tell me your stories. Okay, so um, recently, the most recent one is where I moved to New York City from Canada. And it was really difficult. It was probably one of the, not the bravest, but one of the bravest moves I've ever done. Okay. Because uh, I'm leaving comfort in Vancouver. I had my whole life set up. Um, I was still like vo- voice over the time. It was kind of like, it was my main job when I moved here. But it was always, always kind of kept it as in the realm of a side hustle because I was managing nightclubs on the weekend. I'd done it for 15 years and got paid really good. So I could yeah. do that on the weekends because voiceover doesn't happen on the weekends. Yep. And then uh, I could do voiceovers on weekdays. But pandemic hit, got rid of the nightclub job. So now voiceover, and it's fine because voiceover is great income. It was my only job. Yeah. So that was out of the way. And I was taking um, acting classes online with Sam Rockwell's acting coach, Terry Knickerbocker, mm-hmm. who's in New York. And he convinced me to come and do it here in New York uh, full time. And I was like, I don't know. I don't have a visa for the United States. I don't have a place to live. I've got a comfortable life in Vancouver. Um, and I was making good dough and it's way cheaper to live in Canada than it is in New York. So, yep. uh, but I just made the decision I was going to do it no matter what. And I signed up for Terry's class and before I moved here and then I had to figure out a visa. So I had to call an immigration lawyer. So to get a a visa to work in the United States, you basically have to be famous from the country that you're from, which I'm not. I'm not. But I have done seven Hallmark films and I had a show on history in Hulu called Backroad Truckers. There you go. And that that like qualified right there because I don't know what it is about Americans, but they love Hallmark or at least a (laughs) big portion of it. They do. So people actually like there's immigration officers like, oh, yeah officers that were like oh yeah i know that guy so it actually wasn't hard i just had to give the u.s government a whole bunch of money and they're like here you go here's a work here yeah well uh, do you mind me asking how much it is because i i don't even know because obviously i don't need it's money. different for everybody like i mean here's the thing like the actual application to submit it is about three thousand dollars it's fifteen hundred dollars to well no a little bit more expensive uh fifteen hundred dollars to actually submit it but then you have to expedite it or it will take way too long like yeah like if you pay three thousand uh, dollars extra, they'll make it go through in like a day, right? Uh, but if you don't pay that, it could take like six months. <laughs> Wait, my mind is blown right now that it costs that much just to even apply. Whoa, that's just that fee. So I had to pay my lawyer on top of that, and then yeah, like just um, I don't know, paper filing fees and all that, like lawyer fees. So basically, it was about seven thousand dollars for the lawyer part of it, and then another three thousand to expedite it, and then another fifteen hundred to actually submit the application. So like, what are we at? Like $12,000. 
Now I'm in Canada, so that's twelve thousand dollars U.S. Can, right. American money is worth thirty percent more than Canadian money, so we're talking like twenty thousand dollars to me. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, and then school was another twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, right. Well, so thank I'm God like, I thank God finances in my like Fred framework because I had no yeah. idea it was that much. That's insane. Yeah. So like, think about that. I'm spending like forty thousand dollars. This is all like in like the course of six months of me preparing and doing this. I'm spending forty thousand dollars between the between the school and the visa, and then I've got to move to New York City and get an apartment. So, what maybe your listeners might be interested in knowing if they're planning on moving to New York City is that things here are done a bit different than a lot of the country, a lot of the U.S. and a lot of Canada. So, you, most of the time, you have to get a broker to get a place, and I especially did because I wasn't in New York when I was looking for a place. Right. So that broker is going to charge you like at least one month rent yep and then you have to pay your first month and you have to pay your last month in your last month yep so and a deposit sometimes so like for your first month let's say your apartment in new york city and new york city is very expensive um compared to the rest of the country for one month to get like now the pandemic you could get a deal but now like you're spending about i would say for one bedroom in new york city manhattan like at the bare minimum for a studio Twenty five hundred a month, um, probably more likely around three thousand um, dollars, and so you're paying three thousand dollars for your first month, three thousand dollars to your broker, three thousand dollars for your last month. So that's ten thousand dollars that you got to come up with right away in your first sight month. unseen, right? Yeah. So you don't even know what this looks like either. Exactly. So I had to pay the forty thousand between the school, the visa, another ten thousand dollars for my apartment before I got here. And I didn't, the visa hadn't even been approved yet, right? So I couldn't even enter the country. So this all started, let's say, January of 2021, when it kind of started the process, Yeah. right? So school started about then too. We were doing it remote. The second term was to start in September of 2021. So I'm going through all the visa process, getting everything. I get an apartment. I get rid of my apartment in Vancouver. So I've got to go stay at my parents' place on Vancouver Island for like a couple of weeks before school starts, before I get my visa. And I didn't pay the $3,000 to get it expedited yet. It came down to a week before school started. <laughs> oh, I've got no. my apartment that I've paid for in New York City. Yep. I've got like six suitcases sitting at my mom's place. I had a makeshift um, recording studio that I turned their office into a recording studio with like sheets of foam and blankets that I got at yeah. Home Depot and all this. And then I called my lawyer. I'm like, what do we do here? Because I don't think it's going to get processed before school starts. And they're like, yeah. you're going to have to pay the $3,000. And then hopefully they'll expedite it pretty quick. So I paid the $3,000. Oh the, the, the next day it went through. So then I was like, yes, I got my visa, <laughs> booked a plane, got to New York City. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. Luckily, uh, someone in my class like already lived in New York City. So yeah. I hauled ass out to her place got the keys from her. She had the keys. She picked them up from the landlord. And I went to my place and I had like, luckily I, I thought ahead of time. So I ordered um, from Amazon a um, uh, mattress, an air mattress. Cause oh, I wouldn't nice. have, to, I don't have any furniture. Nothing. I'm moving to nothing. Right. Yeah. So, like the mattress was sitting in a box on my doorstep. When I got there, I was like, ha, ha, ha. Oh my gosh. So I that had, is yeah, brilliant. I got here and I had a queen size mattress. And uh, that's what I slept on for the first couple of nights. And then I started ordering all my furniture and everything like that. But yeah, I put like all of my, my life savings. I sold my $12,000 studio brick studio that I had in Vancouver, everything to make this move happen in New York City. 
Wow. And it worked out. I'm still here two years later. I was going to say, it looks like it's working out, but um, did you have any like qualms? I mean, obviously your acting coach was here in New York City, but like, did you have yeah. any concerns about moving to New York versus LA? Because it's a different vibe, like when you're an actor in LA versus New York. Yeah, the only, the main reason, the main, main, main reason was to come here to study with Terry Knickerbocker. Because mm. um, I'd taken, uh, I'd, I'd heard him talk a lot and the way I found out about him was I was watching the show Shameless and the lead actor, Emmy Rossum in it. Yeah. I thought her performance was just so amazing. I'm like, who is this girl? And I followed her on Instagram. And she was always talking about her coach, Terry Knickerbocker. And yeah. I looked him up and I'd seen all these people that he coached like Sam Rockwell, Daniel Craig, and uh, all these other people. And um, then I, I, I'd watched some workshops and I took a summer workshop with him. And that's when he was at the end of it. He's like, yeah, you should come to New York and you should do the full-time two-year one. I'm like, I'm mm, like, I was like 40 at the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know, man. Like this, it's, uh, I can't move to New York. Right. And then yeah, pandemic. And I was like, okay, fine. I can move to New let's York. Let's do this. Let's, what are you going to lose? The world's right. in. So well, yeah. funny story about Shameless. So obviously filmed a lot in Chicago. Uh -huh. And at the time um, that this happened, I was actually living in Lincoln Park and I was right on Armitage and I'm, I like was taking um, uh, vocal lessons at the, um, Oh my gosh, what is it? It's like a music school right there. It's like a folk art music school. Oh my gosh, it's going to kill me. But basically I'm on my phone because I was running late and I'm like texting my teacher like, hey, I'll be there. Like I'm probably going to be three minutes late and I'm walking head down and I there's always commotion in Chicago. So like, I didn't think anything of it. Like I'm, I'm seeing like this, like everywhere. And like, if you're um, watching on YouTube, like I'm flailing my arms, but basically like they're all over. And I, I finally look up and somebody's like going like this to like, come, 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 you know, like come at me. And so I just like walked a little bit faster and he goes, ah, you were just on shameless. And I go, what? And he's like, they're filming <laughs> and nobody stopped you. And you just kept walking. So great extra work. And I was like, Oh, okay. Thanks. But like, I, I've never watched the show, so I don't even, I have no idea like what season they were even to like go look it up, but, cool. uh, but yeah, it was kind of random. They're like, well, you didn't look up and you didn't cause any problems. So we just let you keep walking. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> so sorry. Tell them I said wow. hello. That's awesome. I, I know. Cool. So I'm random. <laughs> so random. Yeah. I can't actually put that on my credits because I haven't seen it in real life, but, um, but yeah, so where else have you lived? Like moving around Canada, was it very similar to moving to Chicago or, or I'm sorry, New York City or like- No, what, what they, like? they've all been different. So like yeah. when I was, I think probably one of the craziest moves I've ever done was, wow, it was kind of a two-part crazy move. Uh -oh. So I was living in the Okanagan in British Columbia, which is kind of like, uh, would be like sort of similar to like the weather of like California. It gets like really hot in the summer and there's a lot of lakes, stuff like that is super fun. Um, and I was living there um, over the course of a summer but a bunch of my friends had moved to a whale watching resort on Vancouver Island. And I went to go visit them and I'd like left my place. And I'm like 19 at the time. So I'm like, yeah. I didn't care. I just had like a yeah. and stuff. And uh, I got to this whale watching resort. It was super cool. It was like this really old school sort of like um, Navy outpost that was turned into like a whale watching resort. So they had barracks and stuff like that. It was like, it's really old time. It was cool. And then I just ended up staying there and working on this whale watching resort for the rest of the summer. No and way. Then, yeah, yeah. And at, at the end of it, so the place shuts down when it turns into winter because the tourists all go away and then they yeah. can't sustain it. So that everybody gets laid off and they go about, back to their regular lives. So I leave this well watching resort and like I didn't save any money because I'm an idiot at 19. I'm like, what am I going to do? And right. then I heard that Banff, Alberta, 
um, which is like a big ski town is like a oh super fun place to go. The pictures um, are incredible. Like that's on my bucket list of places to go. I've, I've heard so many people going there, like doing dog sledding and like all kinds oh, of crazy, yeah. beautiful, like the lake is crystal blue. It's just, it looks incredible. So it's on my list. I couldn't like, so like just the views there, like I, I couldn't even believe that I was in Canada when I got there. So how yeah. I got, I heard about how fun it was and I wanted to go party and go ski and snowboard yep. and all that stuff. Um, so I jumped on a bus with like a duffel bag of my stuff. I didn't have anything. I was 19, just an idiot. Yeah. And I had like maybe like a hundred bucks in my pocket. Um, and that was it. Like no savings, no nothing. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> and, what you do when you're 19. <laughs> exactly. I jumped on a bus and I went to this ski resort town and I, I didn't plan it out. I didn't know anybody there. The bus did. I thought the bus would arrive at like eight o'clock in the morning by my math. It didn't. Yeah. It arrived at like four o'clock in the morning. So oh, no. pitch black. And this is like winter time at this time. Like it's, I would say probably second week of November. It's like right after Halloween. Yeah. So I'm going from a place that's, I don't know, like not that cold. It would be like maybe like early October Chicago weather. Okay. To a place that's like Arctic tundra <laughs> weather. I got Especially off the bus and I couldn't breathe. It was so cold. There was snow everywhere. And I was like, oh, oh. I couldn't <laughs> breathe. It was so cold. And I didn't have any like proper winter clothes. So I'm putting yeah. like layers of clothes on, on myself. And the bus stop in Banff is not like in town. And I'm like, looking around, like I'm going to get eaten by a bear or, yeah. or something. Luckily there's like cabs that check the place out and this cab rolls up. I'm like, thank you, Thank God. <laughs> And the cab takes me to the Banff Springs Hotel, which is one of the nicest hotels in the world. It looks like a castle that's embedded in the middle of the mountains. It's yeah. unbelievable. So I go there and I look for like a 24-hour sort of coffee place in the hotel. Yeah. And then, yeah, there was. And, and you look like Joey from Friends when he put all his clothes on at once because you're freezing yeah. and you've got everything you own on. Yeah. And I got like this big double bag of clothes. Right, right. And I come walking in and then, uh, yeah, the, the, um, the girl that was working at the coffee shop she was like, you just got here, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, cool. And then like, there was no, it was four o'clock in the morning. She like, yeah. just, she was like coming towards the end of her 24 hour shift. And I just got there. So she chatted me up, told me what to do and where to find a place to stay because I didn't have a place to stay. Um, but when she was done, we went and checked out the back of the Band Springs hotel and the sunrise coming up over the mountains. It was one of the coolest things I've oh, ever seen amazing. in my entire life. And then, yeah, from there, I hiked it into like town because the Banff Springs is a little bit out of it. So it's about yeah. a half an hour walk. And I lived in like this hostel place for like the first uh, couple months. And then I got a job as a waiter at a restaurant there. And yeah, I made it happen. I feel like hostels are one of those places that people like often forget about and they don't realize that they're here in the States. Mm -hmm. um, when I lived in San Diego, we had a ho like an international hostel right in the in the middle. I lived in Ocean Beach, which was um, kind of very far south uh, towards Point Loma. It's by Pacific Beach. And it was one of those things where like, you know, looking at the framework and looking kind of where I tell people to what I tell people to do when they're like looking to move somewhere is to go and like do a city POC. It's a proof of concept, you know, spend five or six days at a place to like really get to know it. And that's one of the things that you can do is stay at a hostel and actually yeah. like, you know, like get to know the locals, get to know like what's happening instead of spending money at an Airbnb or a Marriott or like, you know, whatever hotel of your choice, because that's one of the things that hold people back from going and really exploring. And the hostels are cheap, but they're, you're, they're cool. You get to meet people from all over. Like, 
you know, it's one of those things that people just don't realize they're there because you don't look for them when you're in the States looking to move within the States, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And hostels, I think a lot of people, when they think hostels, they think that, oh, you've got to be like either like, you know, in your late teens or your early yeah. 20s to stay there. But that's that's not the case at all. And there's different ways to stay in a hostel, too. You can even get a private room. Like the cheapest way to do a hostel, of course, is when you have rooms that have bunk beds and all that. And it's yeah. fine. It's like maybe weird for a night and then you get yeah. used to it. Yeah. Um, and it, the camaraderie is really cool. You meet so many different people from so many different walks of life. And, you know, if you're traveling alone, especially, and you're going to a new town and you don't know a person there, if you stay in an Airbnb, it's not likely that you're going to meet anyone unless you want to go sit at a bar and start talking people up, <laughs> right. which can be a little weird. Yeah, but if you go to a hostel, you immediately start talking to people right away. I and mean, then you've got yeah. a whole group of people to go experience stuff with that also want to go experience things. So yeah, yeah I love bed and breakfasts too. Yeah. Hostels, yeah. bed and breakfast, but it's like one of those overlooked, like, least costly ways of like exploring a city without actually like you know yeah, having you, a safe place to stay yeah you do it for like 20 bucks a night yeah oh wow it's, that's see little things like this this is why we have this podcast to talk about that kind of travel and talk about like relocating and all that stuff so have you been in your same place in new york city this whole time yeah yeah i've been actually trying to figure out how to move because the man it's new york's a funny place <laughs> landlords really like uh, Depending on who the landlord is, like if it's a big company, they really do not care about their tenants. No, they will and do it's really they hard want. to like sublet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they they really push the boundaries of what they're legally allowed to do and not allowed to do. Like they they so many people like just bypass the law in New York City as far as yeah. companies go. It's really sad to see. So when I moved here, um, the place was super quiet and I didn't have to deal with any issues. And then the company sold the building to a new company. Now, this new building management company was, um, I don't know how to say, I think it's its like a fund. So people buy into a real estate fund and what they uh, do. Like a co-op. Yeah, but it's like, imagine this, instead of investing in like, you know, stocks and all that, you're investing in real estate. So let's say you can't buy a place, you're going to buy a chunk of this real estate fund. And that fund is going to be bought by all these the millions of other people. And they're going to have a whole chunk of money. They're going to buy other buildings. And then what they want to do once they buy these buildings is find a way to make money and make the stock price go up of it, right? So they want to make improvements. So that was what bought this building and they wanted to make improvements. Yeah. Uh, and right away, they started like jackhammering and all kinds of stuff with zero notice. And so right outside where I am right now, just outside, there's a door to my right there. And there's this whole big area and they wanted to redo the roof. They wanted to take out all the concrete floor. So they were jackhammering and making noise and trying to redo the floors on every level of the building for, I'd say, eight months. Wow. So I was doing voiceover and trying to battle these guys and trying to figure out how I could get this done uh, over the course of eight months. And I got through it. It was really difficult. So I did my auditions around when all the noise was happening. And then yeah, I'd so you're like go, 11 o'clock at night trying to get everything done. Yeah. But when I'd have live directed sessions, I'd have to go into a studio and book, book out a studio to do it, which isn't that expensive. And, you know, if anyone's interested in getting into voiceover and they don't have a setup yet, there's always a way you can do a simple setup for auditions from home. And then you can always, there's always a local studio that you can go and rent time from. How much does it usually cost? Um, it depends on the high end. I would say I wouldn't pay more than $250 an hour for a okay. studio. That's at the very highest end. Um, on the lower end, I'd say about a hundred bucks. So there's a studio in town in New York city, um, which would usually be on the higher end. There's a studio where they give me time for like a hundred dollars an hour, 
But I also bring stuff to the table because I bring in contacts where they get the email address of the company that's hiring me to do the voice. So then they can like create relationships and all that. So So if somebody hires you, do you have to pay for the studio time or does that like whoever the national brand is, do they, I, I, I pay for the studio time, but oftentimes I just include it in my price. Like if, Uh. if I've got a, I'll, I'll give them an option. Like for instance, if it's a job where it doesn't pay a lot, what I'll do is I'll give them an option. I'm like, okay, so you want to do a directed session. I normally charge X amount an hour, which will be the price of the studio they want me to do, right? Yeah. I said, or I can record it on my own and I think I have a pretty good grasp on what you want and send it in. So if they, that gives them the option. So they can either have me record on my own. They don't pay, they get, they pay what they wanted to pay or they pay a little bit more and I'll record it in the studio and I'll use that money to pay for the studio. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So let's talk a little bit about living in New York city. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a drastic difference from, well, probably not from Vancouver because that's a pretty big city in itself, but like, yeah. what, what do you love about New York? What, you know, if somebody was moving there for the first time, what surprised mm-hmm. you, what didn't surprise you? Like you gotta I be mean, in shape. <laughs> yeah, You walk everywhere. Oh my God. Okay. So there's actually, it's weird. Like there are certain similarities between Vancouver and New York being that Vancouver it's it's kind of grouped together like Manhattan is yeah all the city exists like in this one big area downtown and it's very very dense in Vancouver so it felt kind of like similar to home that way except for the buildings are much taller and older here in New York um and in Vancouver we walk around everywhere as well but the distance is so much greater in Manhattan because it's so much bigger. So it felt like home. So I would do the things that I would do back in Vancouver. I'd be like, oh, I could walk there except for here. I'm like, <laughs> the blocks are like twice as so size. much long. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Um, and I find that people in New York are quite a bit friendlier, which is nice than yeah. they are in Vancouver. People here are, you know, I think it's a really an outdated thing where people think that New Yorkers are, you know, a-holes and rude, like, yeah. rude and all that. They're very direct, you know, people yeah. are just because people are in a hurry because yeah. it takes so long to get everywhere here. Right? Yeah. People don't have time for stuff. They like, they want to know what you want right away. Okay, yep. cool. Move on. Um, yep. But they're very open and everybody will talk to you. We're in Vancouver. People are very closed off. It's not, I would say like, as far as like what people think of Canadians, Vancouver would be the least stereotypical Canadian place. Ever. Oh, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. Uh, sorry about New York city. When I lived there, um, n- nobody knows who did it, but right down on like fifth Avenue where it's like super touristy. And it's like, really, when you're walking around there, it can get really, really crowded. Somebody in the middle of the night took a like took paint and drew a line in the middle of the sidewalk. And on one side, it said New Yorkers. And on the other side, it said everyone else. And like, they left it there for a solid like week. And they made like a big deal of it on the media. Meanwhile, like the New Yorkers, we were like, this is awesome. Like I made, you know, like I could go from like, wherever I was like at home, 96th Avenue, all the way down and like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Whereas before it was like, I'm literally darting in and out of like people and stopping and they're like taking pictures. And um, so, I mean, it was like one of the funniest things, but I was like, eh, it's New York. Like, what do you expect? You know, <laughs> like, that's, that's what we do. But, oh my gosh. I wish they I, had like, that everywhere. <laughs> I know. I mean, it was genius, but like at the same time, I get it. If you're a tourist, it's kind of rude, but whatever. Yeah. Um, my favorite, got- favorite areas were like Chelsea and the meatpacking district. And I love the upper, e- I love the upper West side. Um, but I lived on the upper East side and it was hard because like, especially when you're trying to figure out where you want to live, like 
the way I coach is really like find those like top five things that you have to have and like, yeah. you know, find a place around there. Even if you're paying a little bit more, like it's worth it for the work-life balance. But what I didn't realize at the time, and mind you, this was like, you know, 10 moves ago was, um, I was like, oh, the Upper East Side, it's a lot less expensive and, you know, it's quieter. Like I wanted a little bit of quiet. I have ended up um, being a couple blocks from a, a hospital, which like all hours of the night, there was ambulances and all that stuff. I was uh. like, yeah, I was right, right up there. Um, but it was, it was one of those things where like, I would take, I could walk all the way across Central Park, or I could take the bus and like, just to go to Whole Foods, it would take me like an hour to get to Whole Foods, even though like as the crow flies, it seemed like it was only a few blocks away on the map. So like, that was like, I wish I would have like spent more time like looking and actually spent, like, I wish I would have done a city POC before I moved there. Cause yeah. I didn't, I just like, I had a friend that I was moving in with. She was from Jersey. So she knew the area. Like we found this building, it had a gym and a pool and like a Gristides in the basement, which, you know, for those that aren't from New York city, it was a, it's a grocery store chain. Overpriced um, grocery store. Oh my gosh. I remember the first time like my mom came out to visit and I, I used to, I don't drink dairy now, but I used to drink a lot of dairy because I would make lattes in the morning. I'm a huge like espresso snob, which by the way, if you ever get out to Brooklyn, get to blue bottle coffee, it is the best coffee in the United States. I'm convinced really? of it. Only second maybe to Intelligentsia, which is in Chicago, which I still use and drink every single day. Okay. But, um, I remember like my mom and I going grocery shopping and we're walking around and she's like, I think there's a mistake on this gallon of milk. And I was like, oh my gosh, $8. And this is in 2010. It yeah. was $8 for a gallon of milk. And I was like, what am I going to do? And she's like, I buy a cow. I don't know. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> like you, you go through a lot of milk and I was like, oh, but I mean, you know, it was worth it. Yeah, I avoid Gristides at all costs unless I have to go. I've got one right around the corner, but I'll walk up to Whole Foods. Even Whole Foods, which is known for not being cheap, is yeah. way cheaper than Gristides. Yeah, there was one in all of New York City when I lived there. I'm sure there's many, many more now. But Whole Foods? Whole Foods. Yeah, yeah. People here are obsessed with Trader Joe's. That's like the main one everybody yeah. wants to go to because everything's super cheap there. Super cheap. Although they have had a couple of recalls recently, which I probably Yee. shouldn't say that out loud on the podcast. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so what else do you love about New York City? Or what do you what do you wish? What's an area of, of improvement for New York City? Um, well, I'll tell you this. Uh, one thing that I want to do, like my goal is I want to move down to the Soho area. That's the mm. area because we were talking about areas to live in New York. Beautiful. So like, I think anybody who wants to move to New York, I think it's really important to spend time to look at the different areas because they all bring different things and there's different people, very, very different areas. It's almost like you feel like you're in a different state or a different country totally. when you go to different areas. So I like the Upper East Side because it's quiet, but everyone's like settled down and older. And like, I mean, I'm older myself, I'm 45, but people are like hard married. That's it. All they do is sit mm -hmm. on the couch and look after their kids and go to work and come home married, like kind of people in the neighborhood. So it's not fun. And I like to have fun. Right. Um, Soho is like, you know, right in the middle of like where everything's like happening and Chelsea's not far and mm -hmm. East village isn't far. And like, everything is like right around there, but the places there are like really expensive to like, even get, oh, yeah. even to get like a bachelor down there. That's like maybe 500 square feet. You're paying about $5,000 a month. Oh yeah. That's so a lot that's of my over. eventual goal is get to <laughs> a level where I can afford like a rent like that and yeah. get down to like that sort of area. Um, I think if you're first moving to New York City, I would consider moving to, I think there's a lot of like cheaper place, places in like Long Island City that are mm. newer too. Like you can get a really nice place there that's literally half the price of something in Manhattan. 
So Long Island City, like Long Island, New York. Well, Long Island City is like literally just across the river from where I'm at. Uh, not oh, okay. in Long Island, Long Island City. So it's like just like uh, right. I don't know why I'm pointing like as if you. Can... I know. <laughs> Yeah. on youtube we'll see it we'll see it no um, so we because i used to go to hoboken a lot um i had a friend that lived down in Ho and that was that was cool but it was like planes trains and automobiles to get there it was like a total pain in the butt yeah that's the one thing that people have to really understand too is when you move to new york city let's say okay let's say i was going to move to like brooklyn for instance and but i do do a lot of stuff in manhattan i might get a place that's half the price of what i'm paying right now but what am I going to pay in the inevitable Ubers when I'm in a hurry and stuff like that, right? Yep. So you could end up getting a deal on rent, but your cost of living could go up because yeah. of where you need to get to. So it's always, I think in New York City, it's advantageous just for saving time alone to pay extra to live closer to, as you were saying before, yeah. how you try to recommend to everybody, find out everything you need and live as close to that in New York City as possible. Yep. Like if you live in a city like LA, you've got to drive everywhere. So it doesn't really matter that much. I know. I mean, totally. But in New York City, you're not going to drive around here. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, that was the the one nice thing about like moving from San Francisco where I drove everywhere. Like I was, you know, field sales rep. So I had like a my territory was like 600 miles deep. It was crazy. And I remember like I'm, I'm still friends with the people that bought my car because I had bought an, an Infinity and I loved it. And I, it was like my it was like my home away from home because I spent so much time in my car that like they end the the couple that bought it um i like we i don't even know how we found each other like on facebook or something like that and um and they they use it as their like wine country car cuz it's just like like luxurious and like comfortable and but they were like the loveliest couple and we became friends on facebook and we're still friends today like i'll still they still have my car they like well it's their their car now but they'll still like we make jokes about it in comments and like, you know, how's my girl? She's like, oh, she's great. Still running like a charm. We're going up to wine country this weekend. Like just so, so random, like where you make friends everywhere, but yeah. Um, but this has been great, Jesse. Um, I, how can people find you? Yeah. So you can find me um, on Instagram at jessearthurcarroll.com. I have a YouTube channel. If you're interested in voiceover that teaches like a bunch of free content. So I'm at YouTube at Jesse Carroll voiceovers. And you can learn all about voiceovers by checking that out. And I have a coaching website, jessiecarrollcoaching.com. And that's where I sell my uh, voiceover co course. And you were generous enough to give our listeners a 20% discount. Right. Uh, when you use the code MOTM for Marriott's on the move, because it's so long to write out. Um, but thank you so much for that. Cause I mean, I know that'll make a huge difference, especially if somebody's like looking for a side hustle. Mm -hmm. Um, I can personally say your coaching is amazing. I love your newsletters. I like just, you know, having, if you're going between the digital coach or the digital course and the coaching package, like I prefer, I'm so glad I did the package because like getting live one-on-one -on -one feedback from you and being able to say like, okay, let's tweak that just a little bit. And like yeah. having like seven different ways to read one little thing, like just helps you. I can't even describe how much that helped me. Like even just the coaching session that we just <laughs> did, like just to be able to say like, okay, I need to slow it down here. Or cause you, when you're doing your own recordings, you don't know what you're doing. Like you, like even just getting feedback from you on the commercials that I did, you were like, okay, slow yeah. it down. They need to hear you, you know, articulate this, maybe, you know, do a little bit lower on this, go down on this one. I mean, just to be able to have somebody like that knows what a casting director is looking for, yeah. it is priceless. And I, and I guarantee, like, especially with a generous discount, 
um, you know, like putting in, getting paid on one deal would make up for the whole course, you know, so, and the coaching package. So thank you so much for that, for the, for the listeners. Yeah, no problem. Wow. <laughs> You're really good at talking about it. Thank you. <laughs> Have you ever listened to a commercial on the radio or a podcast and thought, I could totally do that? Well, I am challenging you today. Being a voiceover artist is an amazing side hustle that can be done from the comforts of your own home. Heck, it can be an amazing career. Just ask Jesse Carroll. Jesse's got over a thousand voiceover credits to his name. Ever watch Backroad Truckers? He's the narrator. He's also done a ton of commercials for brands you would definitely recognize. If you're ready to try your hand at voiceovers, go to marriottsonthemove.com and head to my favorites page to learn more about his new digital course and coaching package. If you use code MOTM, you'll get 20% off at checkout. Well, I could go on forever and ever about moving you closer to your dreams, but I probably should save some thoughts for the next episode. A big thanks goes out to you for making time for me today. And making time for me, you're making time for future you, and we're both grateful. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe to the podcast, download the episodes, and leave me a five-star review. I would really appreciate it. In return, if you go to my website, marriottsonthemove.com, and register for the Monday Mailer, I'll send you a free Fred workbook to get your journey started. This is also where you can find all the show notes and all the ways to get in touch with me. A special thanks goes out to Rogue Media for its wisdom and partnership. Until next time, friends, keep moving forward towards your dreams. Oh, and the legal stuff. This podcast is presented solely for educational and entertainment purposes. I am a certified coach, not a licensed therapist, and this is not meant to replace the professional advice of a physician, psychotherapist, or other qualified professionals. This is solely my perspective based on my own experience and training. Okay, now it's over. For reals. Bye for now.